Hey beautiful, this is your intuitive consultant and life coach, Ava Laura, with another edition of Ava Laura Heal My Life podcast. Listen in each week because I'm helping you to heal your life, heal your relationships, learn how to do meaningful work in the world, and make an impact that creates legacy. So go ahead and get your pen and paper, get your favorite drink, and listen in now. The new year brings new energy and new music. So I'm letting you, the listeners of Ava Laura Heal My Life, choose my new theme music. Here's what you gotta do. All I want you to do is listen in each week, every week from now until February 11th on the special Valentine's Day show, I'm gonna have new music for my intro and outro. And I want you to choose the one you like the best. So all you gotta do is listen, tell me the episode number that you like the music for, and just leave a comment on iTunes or however you listen to Ava Laura Heal My Life. Leave a comment or you can also email me at avalaura at avalaura.com, A-V-A-L-A-U-R-A.com. Email me at avalaura at avalaura.com and let me know what should be my new theme music for Ava Laura Heal My Life. This episode of Ava Laura Heal My Life is sponsored by Canada's number one inspiration coach, Maureen Kaylee Verdonk, affectionately known as Coach Mo. She is the founder of Inspired Living Life Coaching, and Coach Mo is passionately helping women say yes to ourselves and experience more success and joy in our lives. Visit Coach Mo at www.mocaliverdunk.com. That's M-O-Cali-C-A-L-E-Y, Verdonk, V-E-R-D-O-N-K, MoCaliVerdonk.com, and claim your free audio CD today. I'm so excited that you're here. Hello, I'm, I'm excited to be here. I've been looking forward to this. Awesome. So Avalara is a spiritual sage who works with many different modalities, but the focus is on the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. So I'd love for you to introduce yourself a little bit and talk about your work. Sure. Um, you know, so I'm a life coach and an intuitive uh, consultant and uh, the owner and CEO of Avalara's Healing Center now for the past almost 12 years now, which is kind of crazy to say. It's, it's, it's gone by so fast. And um, I guess the best way to talk about my my work is, you know, I just, you know, tell my story, um, just a little bit about who I am and, and how I came to this work, because I think it really uh, brings to light, um, you know, the power of what I do and why I'm so passionate about it. And, um, you know, just a little bit about me. Um, you know, I think I was like most people in the sense that we all kind of have this idea of maybe, you know, what we see ourselves doing with our lives, right? Um, and what we're told we're supposed to do. And so for me, I come from the background of, you know, you go to school, you get your degree, uh, you get a job, you work your nine to five for 30 years, you retire, you get married, and you have the 2.5 kids in the white picket fence. I mean, 
that's what my parents did except they went they also had master's degrees too so I had that as a as okay you don't just go into college but you get your master's degree and maybe you'll get more money and so on and so forth so I was sort of on that track um, I went to Howard University and I got my bachelor's degree in psychology my master's degree in social work and you know, I, I was ready to change the world. I just thought, you know, I was bright eyed, bushy tail, you know, like now I got my degrees and I got all this, you know, experience and um, I'm gonna save the world and I'm gonna go heal people and everybody's gonna be really excited because who doesn't want to be healed? Except that's not quite how it happened. <laughs> um, really what happened for me is I ended up working um, at an outpatient mental health clinic. I was the program director and, and pretty much, program director and everything else that needed to be done. And, you know, I found myself, you know, again, like I said, really excited because I thought I was really going to help people and help them to grow and to change their lives and to transform. And I quickly realized that the system was not set up for that. And that instead of helping people to heal and change their lives, I was really just helping people to maintain their dysfunction. And that's not what I had signed up for. That's not what I went to school for. That's not what I had worked so hard for. And it was a little piece of me that was dying inside each and every day because I realized I was not making a difference. I was not making an impact. And, you know, I had all these gifts and all these desires of what I wanted to do and nothing was getting expressed. I just, I felt stuck. I felt stuck. I literally felt like a prisoner in a cage and I didn't know how to get out. And, uh, you know, because you talk to people and they say, oh, you should be happy. You got a great job. And, and for me, it's particularly in social services and social work, it was a great job. Um, I was literally down the street from my house. And for people in the D.C. area, like, that's huge. No traffic. I didn't have a commute. You know, so I had a great, you know, I had responsibilities. I was, you know, really in charge of a lot of different things and had the direct ear of the CEO. So for all intents and purposes, it really was a good job. But it wasn't good for me. It wasn't feeding my soul. And it, and it was, you know, really, I found myself becoming less and less of who I truly was each and every day. And I got to a position where I really just became sick and tired of being sick and tired. You know how you just kind of get sick of yourself? <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm sick of my dang self right now. Like, I'm sick of the pity party. Like, this is not even, it's not cool. It's not sex anymore. I need to do something. And, um, but I didn't know what to do. I really did not know what to do. And, um, and so what happened was I actually ended up going on this retreat. I went on this women's retreat. It was a weekend retreat and I got back to soulful self-care as I call it. Um, going back to doing the meditation and yoga and spending time in nature and just, you know, relaxing and spending time with women and just laughing and just having a good time. And what happened was I just sort of found myself um, I, I kind of just got to this space where, you know, when you kind of just let down all the walls and, you know, you allow yourself to really feel and be in the moment, I found myself just kind of on my hands and knees, just crying out to God, like, I can't live like this anymore. Like, this is not going to work for me. This is not what I signed up for. I cannot believe that you've given me all these gifts and this is how I'm living. Like, there, there has to be more than life. I know that I don't know what it is, but I know you know what it is. So you got to help me out because this is not going to work. And I literally just had an emotional um, breakdown. And, you know, I cried. I did the ugly cry. I let it all go. And, um, you know, I felt better because, you know, anytime you release, I felt a lot better. And then I realized that, oh, I got to go back to work on Monday. <laughs> the rat race starts again. 
And, um, you know, and, and it was, you know, in that moment, I was just like, okay, something, something has got to change. But I went to work, I got back to work on Monday morning. And um, my boss calls me into his office. And he fires me. Just like that, out of the blue, no warning. I had never been fired from a job ever in my life. In fact, overachiever perfectionist over here was going crazy. Like, wait, what? Are you, you me? You're firing me? You know, but that was all ego. That was all ego. Then spirit kicked in and said, Ava Laura, why are you upset? You didn't want to be here anyway. This is what you prayed for. So now what are you going to do about it? And, and that really became the decision that I had to make for myself. It became my defining choice of what am I going to do? Am I going to go back out there and am I going to go back and get a social work job? Because I can easily get another job. I have a master's degree. I'm qualified. That, that, that's not even the issue. Or am I going to dig a little deeper and find out really what it is that I want to do? And am I going to take that faith walk and walk in purpose? And so, you know, I call it like the matrix. Like, am I going to take the red pill? Or am I going to take the blue pill? Right. And I decided to take the red pill. I took the red pill and I decided to go out on faith. And I literally took like a six month healing sabbatical. That's what I call it. I made my own healing sabbatical and I did the life coaching. I did the counseling. I, you know, learned Reiki. I learned all these different healing arts. I learned more about who am I? Why am I here? You know, what is it that I'm amazing at that nobody else can do? And what is it that I really want to contribute and give to the world? And that's what I focused on. And after that six months, I opened up Ava Laura's Healing Center. And that was a little bit over 11 years ago, and I've never looked back. And so when people ask me about my work and what I do, I do what I needed at that time. You know, I needed somebody who was my guide, who was that spiritual sage, who was that person to say, Ava Laura, this is who you are, and this is what we're going to do to help bring all of that out with you, and then give you a plan of action so you can live in that place. You can do this work. Because I kind of had to piecemeal stuff, you know, kind of figure things out. I had help, but I still kind of had to figure things out along the way, but I really needed somebody to just pour into me and just say, baby, you've been settling. Like, look, and this, and, and this is who you are, and let's, and let's do this work, and let's get to where you're supposed to be. And so that's, that's kind of really what I do for my clients, wherever they are in life. It might be a career situation. It might be a relationship. It might be wanting to start a business. It might be just trying to find themselves or trying to reinvent themselves or just realizing they've been living somebody else's life for 20 years, 30 years, and now they're ready to be who they are, except they don't know who that is. They're so far gone from that. So now it's really doing the work to kind of uncover who they are under all the stuff that they've collected over the years. So that, that's really what I do. That's what I'm so passionate about is helping people to find themselves and to live, not just find it. Cause we talk about all that, you know, what's your passion, what's your purpose, but okay, once you find it, then what you going to do about it? I right? love it. I love that. <laughs> I mean, so many things there, but one of the biggest things is it is really scary to say, I'm going to try something different. I'm going to, you know, take that walk of faith. A lot of people are afraid to do it. And so for you having done that and then helping your clients to do that as a, a powerful thing. And I think um, when we're talking in terms of like nourishing ourselves as whole people, that that's part of that, you know, that you Absolutely. can't just look at the career side or just look at the spiritual side, even that all of those things have to come together and coalesce. So yeah. like as somebody who works closely with helping people walk through this, and you've obviously experienced it yourself, um, 
you know the importance of taking care of yourself, of practicing that self-care, that radical self-care, not just the, you know, let me take a bath or whatever, right? You know, we're talking about the deep spiritual stuff. So how does that look for you? You know, I'm so glad that you said that because that's actually one of the things that I talk a lot about is that your self-care has to match the level of where you are in life, right? So if you are go, 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 like if you are, you are that career woman, you are that boss chick, you are just running in a million different directions and, you know, you're managing people and, you know, you're, you're just doing a dang thing or you got a multi-million dollar company, whatever it is, right? You can't just say, oh, I'm going to take a bath and that's some self-care. That's not enough. What is your self-care routine? What is your regimen? You need to have something that matches the level of the life that you are living. So for me, I have to do constant self-care. Self-care for me is a daily practice, is a daily ritual because I am helping people every single day. And if I'm not careful, I will take on, you know, the energies and the problems of all the things that I'm helping people with on a day-to-day basis. So I do, I have to be radical in my self-care. And most of the people that I work with do need to be radical, but they're not really, they don't, they don't prioritize their self-care. They see it as something that, oh, you know, when I get to the weekend, well, no, it's Tuesday. What are you doing today? You can't wait till you get to Saturday. What are you doing right now today in this moment? So, you know, one of the things that I love to teach is meditation because that's something that everybody can do at any place. And when I teach meditation, I always teach my clients how to breathe properly because that's so important because if you know how to breathe, that'll carry you through every given situation. When things go wrong, when stuff is like, oh my God, what just, I, I was not expecting this, especially for entrepreneurs and business people. We know anything at any point can happen and we're like, whoa, that was not expected. Okay, well now what am I gonna do? Okay, breathe, breathe. So I meditate every day, I pray every day. I really try to get outside every day. I'm not gonna say that always happens, but I try to get outside every day. And I'm a tea drinker. Like for me, tea is like liquid self-care. I love sitting down and just drinking a nice cup of tea. It is just really nurturing and relaxing and just something really about that moment for me that becomes very special. So I have certain things that I do every single day. And then I have things that I might do a few times a week. Like now I'm really, you know, back in my exercise routine. So I'm exercising, you know, three to four times a week. You know, I love baths. So if I can take a bath once a week, I'm, I'm, I'm doing something, you know? So I, you know, but again, when I talk about self-care, what's so important is that you really look at your own life and you look at the things that you like. Please don't say, well, Ava Laura does this, so that's what I'm going to do. Uh-uh. Your self-care has to be about you. It's about nurturing yourself. So what is it that you like? Your self-care, you might go on a walk every day or you might go on a bike ride or, you know, what are the things that nourish you? And those are the things that you got to look at. What are the things that you can do every single day? And then what are some of the things that you can do throughout your week? And what are some of the things maybe you can do once a month? That's good points and lots of good stuff there. I really love the emphasis on making sure that your routine is right for you. Um, And it's not superficial because we do get caught up in that thinking that just taking the action is what it's all about when it's deeper than that. It's about kind of refilling ourselves. So 
being human and kind of processing all of the information around us, all of the, you know, conversations and other people's perceptions and all of these different things can be tricky for a lot of people. Um, I think women especially can fall prey to self-doubt, worry, uh, because we're trying to fill so many different roles. You know, we're working, we're spouses, we're moms. Um, You know, it's hard. We're trying to help other people fulfill their needs a lot of times at the exclusion of our own. Absolutely. Yeah. So emotional care is so important. And so I'd love to know how do emotions affect how we, uh, you know, how we live our life and, um, and why is it important for us to kind of acknowledge and, and to work through those and not let them just sit there? Yeah. Um, you know, this is a really, really big issue. And um, I would say, I would say probably 90% of my clients, men and women, and, and it's bigger for women just because we're more emotional beings, but it's so important for men too. Um, But one of the things that I end up teaching it, it really allows for the biggest breakthrough is when I teach my clients how to really tune into and learn how to process and release their emotions. That's usually where the biggest breakthrough happens. And I love teaching it because once you get that skill, you never forget it. You have it for life. And you, as long as you are living in this world and living with people, you are going to use that skill. <laughs> and it's really interesting that we're talking about this because um, I'm on Facebook and I, you know, I post daily things on daily messages and quotes and things on Facebook. And it was interesting. One of my friends posted just the other day, what causes the most pain, physical pain or emotional pain? And what was really interesting, and and this is what I found interesting, is that everybody, and I don't know how her, you know, her poll or her question ended up, but when I looked at it, every single person, 100% of the people said emotional pain. But what I found interesting is that all of these people agreed that emotional pain is, is probably the most painful thing that you can ever experience, yet what are we doing about it? Because when we're in physical pain, let me tell you something. Um, I had a client, a Reiki client, she had a massive toothache. She called me, Avalor, I need to see you now. <laughs> you know, like now. And because that, when your tooth hurts, everything else hurts. And so she came in and she immediately felt better after the first Reiki session. And we did a couple more to follow up just to make sure that the pain was gone. It was released. But so when we feel physical pain, we tend to act immediately. But when we feel emotional pain, for some reason, we get stunned. Like we don't react immediately. Usually what ends up happening is we try to suppress and repress the pain like it just doesn't exist. Right. We try to cover it up. You know, some people drink, some people eat, you know, emotional eaters. Some people might go exercise and try to, you know, work out. You know, some people just throw a pity party. They call their friends and they tell everybody what's going on, but they don't properly deal with that pain. Most of the things that we do ends up covering up the pain and not really dealing with the pain. So when I talk about emotions, one of the most important things is giving yourself permission to feel giving yourself permission to feel not repressing it suppressing it trying to cover it up not trying to deal with it trying to do everything else but deal with that pain because what i know about emotional pain is it's now or later you either deal with it now on your terms 
or you deal with it later when you have a nervous breakdown, when you have an emotional breakdown, when something happens that's so minute and you end up going to a 10 because it had nothing to do with that situation. It had everything to do with all the pain that you've been storing up for years and years and years and never healed it, released it, and let it go. I think that like I 100% agree with that. And I feel like there's this kind of profound idea that we can't do that, that someone's going to think we're weak, that someone's going to think that, you know, something is wrong with us if we process those emotions. So what is a good start for somebody who doesn't know what they're doing with that? You know, what, where can we start to kind of learn how to, I guess, feel those emotions before we start to push them away. Cause I think our instinct is to say, nothing's wrong. We're fine. You're exactly right. That that's sort of the autopilot. It's, it's ego. We have trained ourselves to, Oh, it's okay. Especially women, right? It's, Oh, it's okay. I got this. I, I'm superwoman. I can, you know, I, I got the cape on until again, that emotional breakdown. I've had clients who unfortunately have come to me after they found themselves crying in bed every morning, couldn't get up. That was their like, you know what? Something's wrong or a breakup. I have had more women come to me after a breakup because what happens is all of those emotions that have been stored, when you, ooh, that heartbreak, ooh, that heartbreak will unleash some things that you're like, whoa, where'd this come from? Why am I acting like this? I can't even believe I did that. I can't believe I said that. I don't even recognize myself right now, right? And so, you know, it's, 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 it's like back to the now or later. The first thing is giving yourself permission because we don't give ourselves permission. It might sound like a little small thing. Oh, Ava Laura, I can do that. But it's not. It really is not. That stuff alone is so freeing because when you give yourself permission, you are saying that it's okay and you are releasing the judgment because most of us are judging our pain. Why should I feel this way? I I shouldn't feel this way. I can't believe I'm responding this way. This isn't me. What's wrong with me? If you're judging the pain, you're not feeling the pain. So giving yourself permission is half the battle right there to just allow yourself to be in that moment and feel. And even if you don't know what that means, just saying, I give myself permission to feel and letting it go. You know, just like me in that moment that I said, I literally cried out to God. You, you will more than likely have some type of emotional release, giving yourself permission. Because I did the same thing. Been there, done that, got the t-shirt. That's why when it released, it released. When I say I did the ugly cry, the snot, every, everything. <laughs> Oh, I totally hear you on that. I, and I mean, and sometimes that's just what we need to like, let it go for a minute. And that's, you know, I think a lot of us, that resistance is just so innate. Like we're, we're so conditioned to think that we have to hold everything in and be perfect, which is crazy because we're not perfect and that our beauty comes in not being perfect, right? We're all different. We're all unique. We all do things differently. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's so interesting, but I think a, a lot of that comes to, I cannot talk about Facebook because I'm, you know, I, I post things there every day and I, and I watch and I see people. And the problem is that we're comparing ourselves to everybody else. 
And so what happens is because of that comparison, we do think we have to be perfect, even though we know it's a misnomer and nobody's perfect. But when you see somebody's Facebook post and they're like, oh, I made six figures or I did this or, oh, I just got married or, you know, whatever it is, you're like, well, dang, I'm over. I don't have no money in my bank account or you know, I just lost my hand, my my husband or my boyfriend. Like, you know, you're looking at these pretty pictures and you're looking at your own life. Well, I don't have that. Well, that, well, she looks good. She lost all this weight. I want to lose weight. So that comparison, you know, even though intellectually we know that nobody's perfect, we still look at other people's lives as being perfect and we look down on ourselves. Instead of appreciating the journey that that person also had to go through to get whatever it is that they have. I mean, I think that's the other part too, is we assume that they just have it. Like whatever it is. We don't see the journey. Exactly. (laughs) We just see the highlights. We don't see the journey. We see our journey, but we don't see their journey. They just show us all the good stuff. (laughs) That's exactly it too. It's like having the other side of the conversation. That's why it's so important we do stuff like this so people can hear the truth, that it takes work. And that most people, I mean, yes, there's lucky people out there, but most people have to work for what they have. Well, you know what they say about luck. I mean, <laughs> even luck is work, right? I mean, <laughs> That's absolutely the truth. So, okay, so what are some ways that we can kind of tap into what our emotions are actually trying to tell us? Mm, that's, that's a wonderful question. And, and so here's the thing. Um, that's a wonderful question because you're addressing the fact that emotions do come to tell us something and that in and of itself needs to be addressed because most people don't realize that most of us tend to think that emotions are just oh i'm just angry like why am i angry i shouldn't be angry right like i said we judge our emotions and we don't realize that wait i'm having this emotion for a reason this emotion is here to give me information. So instead of judging the emotion, instead of being upset, instead of feeling like I'm inadequate because now I'm feeling this, I'm labeling this as a bad emotion, look at what did this emotion come to tell me? What did this emotion come to teach me? What am I, what, what am I to learn here? Because what I know about emotions is that if you don't learn that lesson, oh, believe you and me, it's going to pop up again and again and again and again. It may be in different ways. It's wearing different jumpsuits, but it's going to keep coming up. So again, it's the now or the later. Are you going to deal with it now or are you going to deal with it later? And the thing that's so important about this, and, and I tell people, because most of my clients, right, they've read all the self-help books, they have gone to Oprah Live Your Best Life, they're watching, you know, Iyanla Fix My Life, or, you know, they're doing all this stuff, or they're, they're going to the retreats, they're doing yoga, um, they're meditating, they're detoxing, they're doing all of this stuff, and they're like, Ava Laura, I still can't get this right. And one of the biggest things that I learned that, I, you know, look, you're just going to have to bite the bullet and do it, you're going to have to get help. Because when you're trying to process your emotions, you are in your stuff. It is some of the hardest work that you will ever do. It is some of the most freeing work that you will ever do. But if you don't know what you're doing, you're going to get stuck. It's like you're going to get emotionally constipated. And you're going to feel like this stuff don't work. Let me go back to the bottle. Let me go back and get that cheesecake or get that chocolate cake or get that pizza because this ain't working. 
And so what ends up happening is, is you actually end up creating more problems for yourself because now you, you're like halfway in and halfway out. You're constipated and you don't, and y'all, it's none worse than being constipated. So I always, you, you have to get help. You have to get somebody who can see you from a different vantage point, who can help you to point out and pick out and address the things that need to be addressed. Because a lot of you are telling the same sob story over and over again. I know you got your girlfriends and they sitting there listening. Mm-hmm, mm, girl, oh, you right. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. But they're not helping you. They're not helping you to see what you're really saying and how it's impacting your life. I, I remember uh, one of my clients, our first session, our first session, she was, you know, talking about her life and things that had gone on. And I'm, and I'm just listening. I, talk, I listen for a living. I'm just listening to her. And I said two, three, two or three things. And she said, oh, my God. I never thought about that before. I didn't realize that. And in that moment, she was so free. She had been telling this story for I don't know how many years, but just a different vantage point, a different lens into her story gave her the freedom that was there the whole time. And we didn't even process anything yet. I just pointed some things out. So, you know, yes, it's giving yourself permission to heal, is allowing you that, that, that space. But sometimes it's, it's getting that different vantage point, getting a different perspective, looking at things a little bit differently. I think what, you know, there's two things there. So the first thing is that throughout these conversations, one of the things that has come up several times is the importance of having someone who can be there to hold that space safely for you. Because it, yes, like you said, we can do it on our own, but it is so hard. To process anything on your own and so having that ability to share your story and be witness is powerful on the other hand it doesn't stop there like we do need that conversation to say let me share what I see and yeah. you can take it or leave it or you know maybe add some extra um, insights that's coming because you heard what the other person said but it's like a two-way street you have to do both and Absolutely. that yeah so I, I think that I love that um, so let me ask you this. I know part of it is if you skip processing those emotions, they will come out somewhere at some point in time. So what are some other pitfalls that people might run into? So, you know, a lot of the pitfalls um, really come from just not understanding how powerful emotions are. And I say that because we live in a very ego-driven society, right? And so we are very much aware of um how important it is to be you know intellectual to be smart to be left brain you know a lot of the things that we focus on are very left brain things um and so intellect you know computers technology you know all of these things and all of that stuff is ego and i want ego is not bad it's not that it's bad but what happens is there's no balance with that emotion spirit intuition, feeling. So because there's no balance, we're out of harmony. So the pitfall really becomes not understanding the power of your emotions and not giving yourself the space to balance it out, to find your balance, to be an ego, think, 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 and not to be in spirit, feel, feel, feel. 
Because one without the other is not going to work. If you are always spirit, feel, 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 you know, those, those people like, oh, you know, I just went on a silent retreat for a month. And, you know, I was with the Buddha and the mountains and you're like, dude, really? You know, they're just airy fairy. You're like, that's not real. I can't do that. I have a life. I have a job. I have kids. I have a husband. Like, I, I don't have time for that. But on the same token, you can't be think, 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 you know, I'm going, going, going all the time either. You have to have room for both. That is valuable information there. And I totally agree. I think that's why so much of our society, especially in the United States, is driven by ambition and money and, you know, all of these material things, as well as, like you said, the ego, it makes it hard so that when you do come across or come against those emotions or some kind of spiritual trauma, even they can't process it because they haven't exercised that muscle. Right. So um, what are your like one or two key takeaways that you want women to walk away from this conversation with? Mm. So I'll, you know, I'll say it again, just giving yourself permission. I said, give yourself permission to feel, but what I will also add to that is just giving yourself permission to be. Give yourself permission to be, be who you are. And if you don't know who you are, if you just had that aha, that epiphany, that Ava Laura, you know what? I'm wearing the role of mother. I'm wearing the role of wife. I'm wearing the role of, you know, sister, girlfriend, um, the role of daughter, of sister, of being everything to everybody, of not taking care of myself. So I've lost myself. So I don't even know who I am. Then you got to get busy about the business of finding who you are. That is not optional. That is mandatory. So give yourself permission to be. Because what I know about being is when you are truly who you are, when you are at your core, when you are in your power, no matter what happens to you, you can deal with it. And we all know life is going to throw you some curveballs. Let me <laughs> life is going to throw you some stuff that you like, wait, wait, what? Like I told you, I mean, I got fired from a job. I had never been like me fire. Like, how does this even happen? I'm like, I know I prayed for it, but dang. So life will throw you curveballs at any given time. Life is not going to be like, oh, you know what? I know she's ready for this. So let me get rid of her job. Or I know she's ready for this. So let me disintegrate her relationship. Or you know what? I know she's ready for this. So let me let her know now that she, you know, she has cancer. She went to the doctor and found that she got this diagnosis. Life does not do it on your terms. Life is life. It's going to happen on life's terms. But if you are who you are and you are in your power and your beingness, you can handle it. That's not saying you got to be strong because you didn't hear me use that word. Because I, I, I'm like so anti-strong right now. I told people I'm tired of being the strong one because when you're the strong one, everybody depends on you for everything and you don't just get to be. So sometimes that might be being strong and sometimes that might be just letting go and letting everybody take care of you and not doing anything. So being, being who you are, that is the most powerful thing that you can ever do because everything else is going to emanate from there. I love that. I think that's probably some of the best advice I've heard. I love it. Just 
that is something that I know I struggle with, like just being okay. And, you know, I'm still trying to figure all of that stuff out. That's why having these conversations and hearing all these different perspectives is so valuable because it does open up your mind to things that you get blocked on and that, you know, you might think you have fixed already <laughs> or whatever the case may yes. be. <laughs> that, you know, that, that's a huge thing that happens. It's so interesting. I, I did a, um, a series on the seven reasons you still haven't healed, even though you've tried over and over again. And, and that was one of the things that I talked about is that, that premature healing. You know, I've had so many people come to like, Ava Laura, I thought I dealt with this. But, you know, I see an example or I see, and I'm, and I'm crying or I get emotional. Like, what's wrong with me? Like, well, you haven't dealt with it. <laughs> you might have dealt with it on a surface level, but there's still remnants of it there that you haven't dealt with yet. And so there's still some work to do. So you're absolutely right. That happens a lot. It's not that you haven't done the work. You got to validate what you've done. Because most of us, we definitely try. There's no question, but you didn't have all the tools. You didn't have all the insights. You just, you don't know what you don't know. That's a good point. And I think also to add to that a little bit is as we grow emotionally, that it's a practice all the time and that there's times when we might heal something and it might rip back open eventually, but really to realize that every day it's a practice every day, we have to be willing to kind of show up for ourselves. Um, yeah. You know, and I, I know that that's something that a lot of us are working on doing, <laughs> you know, as no, I, I agree with that. Um, you know, because it was so interesting. I was doing this um, event and she asked all the women. Um, so what's one word that you would use to describe healing? And um, everybody was like, peace and joy and, you know, serenity. And she said, Ava Laura. And I said, look, y'all, <laughs> I'm not going to say something that's all sexy and cute and nice. I said, one word to describe healing is continuous. It never, ever stops. Just when you think you have healed and you are like, oh, I'm good. I'm right. Something else will come to the surface that you got to deal with. But that's a good thing because that is a sign of growth. That means you can handle it. So it's just where you are in that moment. Now you're ready to deal with it. So it's going to come up so you can deal with it. But it's continuous. So you're absolutely right. It is a journey. Definitely. So um, where can people find you if they're interested in working with you or finding out more about your practice? Well, I am Googleicious. So you can find me all over the web. There is only one Ava Laura. Thank you, Mama. So you type in A-V-A-L. I promise you I'll come up. A-V-A-L, um, but you don't even have to get to my whole name, um, but you just, you look me up, Ava Laura, A-V-A-L-A-U-R-A, that is my website, avalaura.com, my email address is avalaura at avalaura.com, you can find me on Facebook, avalaura, you can find me on LinkedIn, avalaura, you can find me on Google+, Plus, avalaura, what am I missing? Oh, Instagram, Healer Avalora, and Twitter, Healer Avalora. But if you go to my website, it has all of my social media links. Um, you can connect with me there. You can also join my mailing list and find out all the crazy, amazing, wonderful things I have going on at any given time. Um, but yeah, reach out. I'm very, um, I'm very approachable. I was, you know, I was telling somebody that, you know, people don't even go to my website anymore. They just hit me up on Facebook and Messenger, like, Avalora, hey, I need an appointment. What do I do? I'm like, what would I spend all this money on my website for? Like, y'all just hit me up. Like, <laughs> but 
but I am approachable like that. You can, and I will actually respond to you. So. <laughs> I think that's amazing. And that's something that is missing in businesses so much. We're so focused on how do we make it more efficient and how do we make it so that people don't have to talk to each other. And so the fact that people are coming to you is a good, good thing. I'm, I'm not complaining. It's, yeah. it's, it is a, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. It, it really is. I, you know, I think that my clients are some of the most courageous people because when you get to the space of realizing that, you know what, I'm ready and willing and I know I need help and, and I'm ready to do this work. I, oh, I just think that's such a beautiful thing. That's awesome. Well, I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to be here and sharing your story and kind of sharing with us how we can uh, grow our emotional, um, you know, health and wellness and well-being. So thank you so very much. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Are you ready to learn how to meditate the right way? Meditation is a key tool for transformation, clarity, focus, and truly living an amazing, peaceful, happy life. It is one of the number one tools that I teach all of my clients. And I know you know the benefits, but so many of you don't know how to meditate and breathe properly. I have a four-week training just for you, M3, Mantra, Meditation, and Motivation, where I'm teaching you online from wherever you are around the world how to meditate correctly. So email me now at avalora at avalora.com and get all the juicy details. That's A-V-A-L-A-U-R-A avalora at avalora.com and get all the juicy details about my m3 meditation training hey beautiful thank you for listening to another edition of avalora heal my life podcast join me each and every week to move from whole to wholeness in your life your relationships your business and your career And if now is the time for you to embrace all that you are for your most incredible life, go ahead and email me today at avalora at avalora.com for your own personal consultation. And while you're at it, I'm Googleicious, so you can find more information about me online. Go to my website at avalora.com and join my mailing list.